No, nobody quit Tyler Boyd. But, but, I did see some long faces, and one in particular is at least a little bit of a concern. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Boyd, the Clareton native who went on to be a terrific wide receiver at Pitt, drafted by the Bengals and has now really come into his own, said something dumb yesterday. And I say that as someone who who knows Tyler and likes him. But he told Cincinnati reporters yesterday, a day after the Bengals' victory here, that he believed and or they believed that the Steelers quit on the final few plays. And as evidence of that, he cited the team dropping three straight passes to end the game. Now, one could very easily counter that by saying the Steelers dropping passes was nothing other than a continuation of everything that had gone on, considering they had 11 unofficial drops over the course of the day, the fact that two of those were Najee Harris, as well as seeing Najee sitting on the sideline with his head down in the fourth quarter, looking, you know, you can only ever read body language and facial expressions with things like this, and that's not always safe or accurate. But then when Kalen Balage another running back on the roster came over and put his arm around Najee and leaned out in front of him to make eye contact. That had a different look to it. That had a different feel. Because that looked and felt like an NFL veteran coming over to check on a rookie and this being a rookie who's never done any losing. You go back to Najee's lifetime of football, beginning in the Bay Area, continuing on to Alabama. All he did was win. And I mean win, 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 win. More often than not, win really big. And this sort of thing can be a shock to the system. This wasn't just one loss. This is now back-to-back losses. So... It seemed fair afterward to ask Najee what kind of words of advice or encouragement he's hearing from his teammates, if any. Yeah, a lot of guys did. Um, a couple guys came to me and said, this isn't like uh, this isn't college. You know, every week you're playing somebody good. Every week uh, <clears throat> every, you're not going to win every game, especially out, out in the NFL where you're playing good teams every, every week. So um, really just keeping the level-headed and not really like losing focus of the, the ultimate goal is what they were telling me to sum it all up. <clears throat> Numerous guys told me that. But yeah, that um, you know, it's obviously not good to lose, especially two games back to back. But we're just still trying to find the rhythm of the team and offense wise too. There's a lot of young guys, a lot of guys have to step up. So, you know, it just takes time. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly one hundred career focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how. 
you'd prefer to do those studies, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format is what would work best for you. Learn more about all of this at pointpark.edu. I don't want to make Najee sound like, uh, you know, he's some kind of head case or basket case or that he needs to be nursed through this process or that he's not a very tough guy. Although anytime a subject like this comes up and anytime there's a visual like the one from the fourth quarter Sunday and when it's accompanied by words after the game acknowledging that this is a real thing, there's going to be the usual cast of, ah, he's soft, stop babying him, Chuck Knoll this, Bill Cower that. But I'm here to attest that this is a player who's a little bit of a different dude. And I've been telling you that for months based on being around him. And every time I've told you that, I've accompanied that by saying, I mean it in a good way. He's got uh, a real innocence about him. You can see his background from the Bay Area coming out. And by that, I mean he was raised in a, in a tough environment, but he was always protected. He, he was carried through his school years by family, by friends, by teachers and coaches and teammates. They knew he was special. And they felt it was their obligation to make sure that he got out of there and that he got out of there in good shape. It's a tremendous backstory, and I can't recommend enough. If you haven't already read it, Tom Reed from DK Pittsburgh Sports actually flew out to California shortly after Najee was drafted to document all of this, interviewed a ton of people including Najee himself, and it's it's amazing stuff. You can find it at a link that I'll attach to this podcast wherever it is that you happen to be hearing it. And now he's a grown-up, though. Now he's here. Now he's in Pittsburgh. He's in the NFL. And for the first time, he's not only losing, but he's not gaining, meaning on the ground, 123 yards is all he has to show for rushing over the first three games and 40 carries. That's a 3.1 average. He's popped a couple, and when I say that, I'm referring to you know a 15-yarder. He had a 20-yarder Sunday on a nice burst up the middle. But all the things that he'd been used to whether it's the winning or the ability to just find the open space and make things happen, has been limited almost entirely to his receiving ability. And even there, he's been doing a lot of drops. You know, Ben Roethlisberger pointed out unapologetically on Sunday that he doesn't know how much time Najee spent either in high school or in Alabama, catching footballs behind the line of scrimmage, which the Steelers ask him to do more often than not. You can see that it's a problem. You can see that he's not facing the right direction when the ball is coming. 
This is something that still has to be learned. But when he does get the ball in space, well, you've seen that too. You've seen the special. You've seen why everybody was so rightly wound up about him. That nurturing that I described from his upbringing, that has to continue here. And I've seen signs that it is. I've shared with you a few times about the way Mike Tomlin is with Najee. I shared with you the story about how up in Orchard Park when the Steelers were coming off the field after beating the Bills, it was Tomlin and Najee walking together toward the locker room. But I've also told you about how at practices and all through training camp, Najee would just kind of be by himself. The rest of the running backs would go over here and he'd sit on a helmet by himself somewhere. And over the past week, I can share this with you for the first time. Not that it's some big thing, but just for the purposes of what we're discussing. That Derek Watt was around Najee an awful lot. An awful lot. They had become pretty much inseparable at practices. Again, I don't know what, if anything, that means. I don't know what, if anything, any of this means. But this is a really, really, really important player to the franchise's future, setting aside everything else, including, by the way, the garbage offensive line that isn't getting anything done in front of him. That's the real culprit here. This player, this special player, has to be given every opportunity to become special, not just to be a guy, but to be special. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. LGKG, they represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need assistance with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been AV rated. That is the highest rating a law firm can receive for legal ability and ethics in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888 888- 842-5454. Today's J1Q comes from Doug Black, who asks, Are the Steelers and other teams harvesting the fruit of low or no contact practices and holding almost everyone projected to be starters out of preseason games for fear of injury? Did this dearth of playing time against other teams lead the Steelers' brain trust to maybe misjudge the talent in front of them? Doug, I am... So very much with you, even as I am and always have been with the players when it comes to their safety. But there's a line that has to be drawn when this is your chosen profession and you have to do certain things in order to be available. And remember, the way football coaches like to say it, The best ability is availability, because if you're not playing, hey, look, man, you and I, Doug, we just contributed as much to the Steelers' cause on Sunday 
as T.J. Watt did, just standing there on the sideline. You know, he might as well have been working the down markers. Best defensive player on the planet, doesn't matter, got hurt. So from the player's standpoint, I do think there has to be a little bit more of a give and take in understanding that these physical preparations can, in fact, help them. What you really asked was a two-pronged question, and so that'll be my answer to the first part of it. The other part was about evaluation, and this one actually really rubs me the wrong way. Not your question, but the subject in this particular year. Because if you've got four preseason games, meaning one more than anybody else other than Dallas because of the Hall of Fame game, and you have this brand new offensive line and all these other moving parts on offense that you don't know about, that you need to get the deepest possible knowledge of, How do you only put them out there together for like a quarter, a quarter and a half, which is all they got? And yes, I do remember that some guys were hurt. And I remember that Zach Banner had a hard time getting onto the field at all. But I also remember, and you might too if you were listening to this program, that I really didn't like that some of these guys were being treated like veterans. Who was Kendrick Green, for example, to be out there for a quarter and then come off? Just because he's wearing 53 doesn't mean he needed to be treated like 53. And I said that at the time, and it was not a popular opinion. I can tell you from the feedback that I got. Not a lot of people like that because they were like, what's the problem here? He's the future. He's the guy. He has to be the guy. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Not if he's not that great of a football player. Got news for you. Through three weeks, he hasn't been that great of a football player. And I could say the same thing about Kevin Dotson. I could say the same thing about Dan Moore. You know who else I could say it about? Chooks Okorafor. I stressed passionately at the time that this offensive line needed to be treated like a wide-open competition. The coach claimed at times that it was. He said that to me when I asked him about it more than once. But it wasn't. They knew who they wanted all along, and they treated them as such. So they barely got on the field, so we didn't find out anything about them until now. Not in anger, not in any meaningful context. And look at them. They stink. They stink collectively. They stink individually, without exception. Well, maybe Trey Turner has at least been okay, but he hasn't been the Trey Turner that we'd seen previously in the NFL. The rest of them stink. This is not something anybody should have had to find out in late September. So, yes, I am totally with you especially on the second portion of your question. I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Let's do it again tomorrow.